This week, Jane Smith is back to talk about episode four of Firefly. Plus, I'll tell you where I've been for the last three months. Let's get to it. sci-fi with jesse mercury it has been a while but we are back i did not intend to take a three-month hiatus from the show but a lot of things have happened to keep me away from working on this uh the big things are one i moved uh andy and i moved in together and i uh, you know tearing down my studio setup and putting it back together takes quite a bit of time and i just just set up my recording computer just now, and this is the first thing I'm doing since I set it up. Uh, two, we went to Tahoe for 10 days. Uh, my family, Andy's family, we all went together. It was awesome. It was wonderful. I had so much fun. Uh, three is that I've been very busy game streaming. I That has really kind of taken over my creative output for several reasons. Uh, the biggest one being my, my energy level and my health, which is kind of the fourth reason why I haven't been doing the show much recently. I started seeing a new Lyme disease doctor who's a specialist and his treatment has been, uh, remarkable so far. I've been doing it for, I think three or four months at this point, almost the amount of time that I've been gone from the show is how long I've been, uh, seeing this new doctor. His treatments have been really kicking my ass. I mean... (laughs) It's been really intense how how much they have been m- limiting my amount of energy, but the good side to that is that uh, I've been doing a lot better. I've been... I actually went for a bike ride, two bike rides this week. I got really, really sick after, but I, would, I did it. And that's the first time in years that I have been able to go on a bike ride for fun to a place because I wanted to. I wanted to bike down to the library in Fremont to return some comic books and pick up some new ones. And I mean, biking is my preferred way to get around. And I was actually able to do it, which was incredible. I, I did. I definitely paid the price for it afterwards, but it was awesome. So I'm seeing this new doctor and he's got me on a new treatment every month. My energy level has been really up and down. I tend to be worse at the beginning of the month as my as I adjust to the new treatment and then better by the end of the month. And this is the first month where I have felt like I had some energy within the first couple days of starting the new month's treatment. And here I am recording an episode. Uh, and then the fifth thing that, that's been keeping me away from the show is my own... Uh, existential dread, I guess you could say. I've really been questioning whether or not this show is something that people want to listen to. Uh, I've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but my numbers have gone down. And even though my game streaming audience has grown significantly over the last year, I went from 75 YouTube subscribers to uh, almost 15 or 1,600 at this point, actually. I'm like 20 away from 1,600. So I've seen astronomical growth there compared to my podcast that uh, is now in the double digits as far as who's listening per week. Uh, And that has been very depressing for me. There's a lot of factors that contributed to it that I know of and a lot that I don't know of. But uh, I mean, I've talked about the the changeover from iTunes to Apple Podcasts. That that was really, really, really devastating to my podcast. I lost a huge amount of listenership overnight. And I also, I mean, either that or I just never had the listenership to begin with and the analytics were just never accurate. It's one of those two. I will never really know for sure. 
And either way, I do know that it was very depressing. I mean, I really felt like I'd worked so hard for three years at this point. I just passed my three-year podcast anniversary, uh, which I missed from not putting any episodes out. But that happened on July 1st, and it's now July 16th as I'm recording this. So happy three-year anniversary, my friends. Um, but I've been really, really struggling with the fact that my listenership is significantly lower now than it has been for quite a while. Uh, it makes me feel like... I'm doing something wrong or the show is bad or the show is not what people want to hear. And I, I, I'm continually fighting myself on all three of those <laughs> assumptions, trying to tell myself, no, it's okay. It doesn't matter how many people listen to it. If the people who hear it enjoy it, that's what really matters. Uh, but it's hard. You know, it's hard for me to convince myself to put my time and effort into something when I'm really just not convinced that people are interested in it. Uh, but here I am putting out another episode. I had recorded this episode with Jane before I moved. I actually recorded one with Doug about Babylon 5 before I moved as well. So I'm definitely going to put those two out. And I have a couple scheduled recordings. Well, I mean, not scheduled yet, but a couple recordings that I want to do that I've talked to people about doing. So uh, at this point, I can guarantee that at least four more episodes of this show are coming out. But I think what's going to happen for this show is that I'm going to stop uh, keeping myself accountable to putting it out weekly, obviously, since it's been three months. Uh, and I think I'm just going to produce episodes when I feel like it, if I feel like it. And I, I do think that I'm going to feel like it. There's just nonstop science fiction that I want to talk about. And I don't imagine that drive and desire ever really going away. And this is such a satisfying platform to do that on for me personally. I just really, really enjoy the actual discussions and conversations. Uh, I'm really starting to dread the editing and the post-production process because that's when my the little voice inside my head that tells me I, I suck just gets louder and louder and louder. And it's very, it's very frustrating. Um, I have been doing some sci-fi live streams on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Jesse Mercury sci-fi. I did a stream with Andy about uh, Avengers Infinity War. And then Andy and uh, Gene came over and we did one about Solo, a Star Wars story. So those are up and archived and you can see them anytime. And I am feeling like uh, it, it is... It may be a good idea to move towards live streaming, as I've talked about for my sci-fi stuff, because there is no post-production process. It's just the the part that I love, which is the conversation. Uh, and then all of you who want to are able to participate in the conversation, which has been really fun and really satisfying. Actually, this Sunday, let's see, what's the date? Uh, Sunday the 22nd. Uh, Andy and I are actually going to be doing a live stream where we watch the Super Mario Brothers movie with John Leguizamo and, uh, and uh, what's his name? What's his name? Bob Hoskins, who I, I love both of them. But this movie, I, if you've seen it before, you know that it's kind of atrocious, but kind of incredibly atrocious. And Andy's never seen it before, so we're going to watch it together live on stream, talking about it with you as we watch it. That's happening this Sunday, the 22nd on my YouTube page. Uh, and I, I have some ideas for live sci-fi stuff that I want to try. I definitely want to try doing sci-fi on trial again live. Uh, and and I don't know. I mean, I might fall into doing live sci-fi podcasting more often and possibly replacing uh, this show with that. But I don't know. I, I do think that there are going to be episodes of this show coming out from time to time just because there's going to be situations where I want to sit down with someone one-on-one -on -one without lights on and without, you know, a live audience and just talk about something. And so I'm going to keep this as a outlet for myself to do that, but I'm not going to be keeping to a schedule by any means. Uh, and if that isn't your bag, if that's not what you want to listen to and you decide to unsubscribe for that, 
that's totally okay. I mean, I feel like at this point, this is going to be more for me than for anyone else. It kind of always was, but I, I had delusions of grandeur of kind of reaching this, this, you know, large audience with this show and having people tuning in week to week and being interested in what was happening and engaged in what was happening. And three years in, I'm feeling like that's not happening and I'm not building towards that. So I need to not hold on to that as tightly as I have been. I need to let that go. And if I continue to produce episodes, it needs to be for me, it needs to be fun, and it needs to be easy. So I'm probably going to, you know, pare back on the production value a little bit as far as putting in clips from shows and all that kind of stuff that I've been trying to do more and more for the last year on the show. Because it really, it, it hasn't made a difference as far as my show growing. I haven't heard from really anybody that they liked that better or worse than what I used to do, which was just put out the whole conversation um, without, you know, putting in all that extra stuff. I might put in extra stuff. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't know what I'm doing and and, and I'm struggling with that. But, um, but I mean, I have heard from a couple people. I got a new iTunes review that I want to share with you that was very, very awesome. I actually got a new submission for a sci-fi supplemental, which I'll be putting out very shortly. Uh, and, and I have heard from a couple people, um, Wes, I'm looking at you in particular, and Evan, of course, who who have expressed that they are sad that I am not necessarily putting out as much as I used to. And if, if, I, if I don't live stream my video game stuff, I, I hear from people a lot. And it's, it's really interesting to have a creative project that I'm doing that is uh, getting responses at all because I just haven't been really hearing from people on the show. And I'm trying to just not take it personally and just tell myself, you know, this means that I've got a project that is working, that is connecting with people, that is making people feel good and keeping them entertained. And that's what this is all about for me is just to, I, I want to bring joy and a source of, um, you know, comfort to people by being consistent with my content creation. I mean, that's, that's what I want to do. I want, I want to be the thing that people look forward to when they have something to listen to or something to watch. Cause I know the value of that. You know, there's, there's content creators that I am obsessed with. Like I, I listen to a ton of Kevin Smith podcasts and Star Trek, the next conversation and the warp world podcast and uh, my you know, gaming people that I watch, Ryukar, Carl Sagan, Dashi, uh, things that I really look forward to. And when I see a new notification pop up, I'm just like, Oh, thank God, something I can watch that's going to be, uh, that, that's, that'll be a mindless thing that I can enjoy for a few minutes. And I want to be that for people. I want to be something that you can listen to and enjoy. And and I really want to be putting my time and effort into things that are connecting with people and are working and are growing community. And it, as hard as it is for me to admit that, I feel like this podcast has failed to do that. And obviously that's my fault because I'm the one producing it. Um, and and I, I'm trying to I'm trying to learn that that's okay and that I can move on to other things and I can I can keep this. It's not like I have to kill the show. I can keep this and I can put out episodes when I want to, but I don't want it to be the primary time suck that it has, it has been for all of my creative work. I have put more time in the podcast than anything else uh, in the last three years. I mean, game streaming has definitely taken over at this point because I've really petered out with the podcasting, but it's really, it's really been a huge time commitment and I'm not seeing the returns from it that I would need to see to continue doing it weekly. So I won't. There we have it. (laughs) I really want to get more music done. I mean, my, my, the main thing keeping me away from the music has been my energy level. You know, Lyme disease sucks. I get dizzy a lot. I have muscle spasms, body pain, things that make it very difficult to work on music. And I have tried to record vocals for a couple songs a few times and gotten dizzy spells and had to stop. And it's so, 
uh, disheartening and infuriating that I've just kind of decided to put that down a little bit also. And now that I'm having a little bit of energy coming back from this new treatment, I just really want to dive into that and uh, get some stuff done with that. But again, I'm not putting any, any pressure on myself to do it. It's just a desire that I have. The game streaming is, is the one content that I have been able to create that does not take too much out of me. I mean, I'm sitting in a chair and I'm playing a video game and I'm talking to people. That is super easy and I'm able to do that consistently. And I've been able to hold a schedule with that, which has been awesome and really healing for me to be able to show up to something. I mean, at this point, I'm doing three days a week. Um and that's been that's been wonderful. I've seen so much growth with that, and there's been some incredible donations and new Patreon support. Oh, speaking of, I have to thank Jeffrey and Emily, my two newest patrons. Thank you guys so much for signing up on Patreon. That really means a lot to me. I'm up to 20 subscribers on Patreon, uh, which is amazing, and I'm seeing some growth in that, which is really exciting. Um, if you are one of my Patreon subscribers and you are here just for this podcast or for Sci-Fi on Trial and you want to unsubscribe because I'm putting out less content, I totally understand and that is totally okay with me. You've supported me for so long and I really appreciate it, but I got to follow my creative passions and I got to follow what's working and what is uh, generating its excitement and an audience. So I am still doing sci-fi stuff. I'm still working on the music and I, I've been talking about this web series that Sarah and I wrote for a while now and we actually have a production meeting happening uh in a week or two and we're going to try to shoot this summer so uh, that's happening i mean instead of talking about science fiction uh as much as i have been i'm going to try to create some which i'm really excited about so your continued support on patreon or the donations that i've received are going to be going towards they're still going towards my content creation. It's just kind of slightly shifting what I'm doing. And if you want more sci-fi chat on the live streams, let me know because I'm really open to that. I I, I have an idea that I, I don't want to share now because I don't know if I'm going to do it or not, but uh, an idea for a sci-fi show that would happen regularly that I am kicking around that I think would be cool. So it's Star Trek related. So if that's something you want, let me know. I know I'm not telling you what it is, but, you know, let me know. <laughs> And then I actually have a, an idea for a new podcast, not something I want to do long term, but I think that I might take a break from making this one after I get those few episodes out that I've talked to you about and put together maybe 10 episodes, five to 10 episodes of a different podcast that is just going to be something that I'd probably put all the episodes out at once, uh, kind of like the Netflix model, make a season of a podcast and put it out. I recorded my friend Dan DeRozier and Emily Corrin's podcast, Food Babies. They, they did it in my home studio and uh, they, they put it out as a season, the whole thing as a season. And I really liked that idea. It, it kind of took the the pressure off to to make something consistently. And then you can just kind of put something out, see if it works. If it doesn't, you don't have to do it again. So I have an, another podcast idea. It, it's about chronic pain. I, I kind of want to sit down with people who experience chronic pain the way that I have and talk about how we've integrated it in, into our lives and uh, how, how Living with chronic pain does not mean that your life is over or stopped by any means. I, it's a, it's something that used to scare the shit out of me when I was a kid, and I've experienced it for a long time now. And I, I don't know. I kind of want to break down a little bit of the stigma around talking about it, and and create a safe place for people to talk about it, and for other people to hear about it. People who maybe experience it or are wondering what it's like or are afraid of it. Um, I that seems like something that could be very worthwhile both for me and for other people. So I, I'm really, really into that idea. And I think I'm going to do it at this point. Uh, I'm at least going to start sitting down, recording the conversations and see what happens, see, see if it's worth putting out. 
Um, but again, if you want to hear that, let me know. You can always email me at sci-fi at jessemercury.com. I've been really active on Discord recently. That's been the most active of my social media platforms. Uh, I haven't really been using much of Facebook or Twitter anymore. I've been a little bit turned off by both of them. Uh, I'm just sick of getting notifications that I don't want, and I'm sick of looking at ads that I don't want to see, and I'm sick of, of being worried about information that I post being used in the wrong way, and I don't know. It's just feeling it's feeling toxic, and it's feeling like something to avoid for me personally, so I kind of have been. I'm still pretty active on well, not, I mean, I'm still active on Instagram. I still feel good on Instagram. I've never been super active there, but I post stuff from time to time. But if you want to stay in touch with me, I think Discord is, is at this point the best way. And of course, email. And I'll put a link to my Discord in the description of this podcast. But uh, we got a great community on Discord. A lot of people from my gaming community. And we have a whole channel just for science fiction on my Discord for people to chat about what they've been watching, what they like. Uh, I post all the podcasts up there. So yeah, it's just like a little, it's a chat room for gamers, basically, but I'm using it for for all of my content creation at this point. So that's where I'm at, and that's what the future is looking like for me right now as far as my creative output. I'm super excited about the web series, the music, the game streaming, uh, so doing some live sci-fi shows. I, that's that's what I'm really excited about. I'm feeling, I'm obviously feeling hurt about the podcast, and I, I'm feeling like a failure about the podcast, and I think that uh, my my natural tendency is to say, well, I just got to double down my efforts and, and go twice as hard and try to make it happen, which is really how I've been feeling for about a year on the show, or at least as long as it's been since uh, Apple Podcasts switched over, which is within the last like six months to a year. I really felt like if I doubled down, I could see some growth and it just hasn't happened. I've had a couple episodes do really well, uh, but for the most part, you know, I'm lucky to hit triple digits with listenership at this point. And I, you know, I, I'm okay with doing a, an hour sci-fi live stream that hits maybe a hundred plays on, on the low side. That feels okay to me, but I mean, that's like an hour of my day and there's no post-production, but if I'm putting this much time and effort into podcasts and they're not hitting triple digits, it's just like, man, I, why, what am I doing with myself? Like, what am I doing? This is, this is rough considering that I used to have an average of like 200 plays per episode. I did get a new five-star rating and review on iTunes that I have to share with you. Uh, intelligent and in-depth views by by a random name, which I know is, is my friend Adam from my gaming community. Uh, this is my favorite podcast, hands down. Jesse and his lovely guests always have wonderful insight into sci-fi, from Star Wars to Star Trek, The Matrix to Firefly. I find myself listening to this podcast on long drives, commutes, really any chance I have. I often hear topics or views I hadn't previously thought about, and at the least, great thoughts on theories I support already. This is the place to be for anything sci-fi. I promise you won't be disappointed or bored for a minute. Jesse Mercury has a wonderful personality, and it has been my absolute pleasure to get to know him through these podcasts, as well as through his synth-pop music and streams. From Adam G. Uh, Adam, thank you so much, man. That definitely helped to make me feel a little bit better during the last couple months while I was really concerned about the future of the show and whether or not it was going to continue at all. Okay, friends, that's enough of me blabbing on about my my uh, <laughs> crisis of faith in my own podcasting. Let's get into the fun part of the show. Here is my friend Jane Smith and myself talking about episode four of Firefly Shindig, which is one of my absolute favorite episodes of, of Firefly and uh, of TV. So we had so much fun talking about this, and I'm very excited to share it with you. Here we go. Take my love, take my land, take me where I can. I don't care, I'm still free, you can take the sky from me. Take me out to the black, tell them I ain't coming back. 
the sky from me All right, here we go. Episode four, Shindig. Yes, it's happened. It's it's. We just watched it. It just just, happened. Yeah, it was out the other side, and we're better for it. It was glorious. Yes, I just fucking love this episode. I think the first time I watched the show, this was like. My my turning point when I watched mm-hmm. this episode to realize how invested I was, right, and how much I loved the world and how engrossed and immersed I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I this one has a very particular joy in it for me because I every time I watch it I realize how much I love these characters, yeah. anew, this is <laughs> and like I get so excited. A fishing metaphor, I guess, which I don't understand. Fishing metaphors, Dad, but uh, <laughs> if uh, anyone's watched Cloudy gets that reference <laughs> um i have not but i'm laughing oh anyway. yeah yeah good times good times um this is like when the hook really sinks in yeah. like you you're enjoying it it's good you're not really sure what's going on and then you're like i love every single one of these characters totally i love the villains <laughs> i love the main cast i love the background people and the extras who are just catty and <laughs> like everything about this show give me more the character writing in this episode is insanely strong. Right. I mean, written by Jane Espenson, yes. who's like a hero of mine. She's amazing. She's been in some like some of your favorites, uh, yeah. Buffy and um, Once Upon a Time. And An Angel, I, of course. Angel, of course. I actually looked up... Uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I looked up a little wiki on her. She wrote two episodes of Star Trek. So she did... Whoa, 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 well, whoa, okay, whoa. Okay, so whoa. she didn't... She didn't write to. She gave ideas that led to an episode of The Next Generation. Wait, wait, wait. It became Force of Nature. Force of Nature. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Something to do with... With Troy getting... Warp drive damaging space time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Force of Nature. Yeah. Yeah, totally. She had the idea that then turned into that episode. I've never heard that before. She sold them that idea. And then she wrote uh, Deep Space Nine season four... Uh, episode called Ascension. Wow. I don't know. I had no idea. If you're about to watch that or if you just watched that. Deep Space. I've seen it, but I don't okay. remember which one that is. Uh, What's the synopsis? Uh, I don't. Well, I'd have to click on Ascension. Let's see. I um, have to know. <laughs> yeah, she's she's been around. She's done things. She's done Battlestar Galactica and um, just all of our favorite uh, Whedonverse stuff. Yeah. She excels at witty banter. Yes. Uh, for Buffy fans out there, if you don't know, um, Band Candy is probably one of your favorite episodes. She wrote that one, and it's just glorious. <laughs> Which you... one is that? Um, it's season three, I believe. Um, there's a spell put on the uh, candy that they're selling to raise funds for the band, the right. marching band. And uh, Principal Snyder says, all right, uh, Scooby Gang, you are hereby conscripted. I volunteer you to go sell candy, and uh, it's cursed. It's cursed candy, and it turns adults into juvenile delinquents, basically. That's who... the one where we meet Ripper, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's one of the I best Buffy episode. episodes ever. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I have I have no signal. I'm sorry. I can't get you the synopsis oh, no. on Ascension. But 
Yeah, we love Jean Espenson because she makes fun episodes. Totally. And Shindig is one of the most fun episodes of Firefly. Absolutely. This yeah. has a couple of my favorite lines mm-hmm. of like the show. Just like so many quotables in yeah. the show. Like get him a sword. Get a get a sweat? <laughs> a sweat? <laughs> a sweat? <laughs> That is, it's so perfect. It's yeah. so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then others that I've already forgotten, even though we just watched it 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I know, I know. Just, I, I, there's so much. It's hard to narrow it down to like whittle it down to any yeah. one particular oh, thing. I remembered another one of my favorite lines is when Wash says like, we might, you know, like crash and die. And mm. Mal says, okay, well, if that happens, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Just totally calm and just like unfazed. Like, yeah, okay. We might crash and die. Cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, and then my, another thing that like really stands out to me that I, just like sticks with me all the time when i think about firefly is in this episode it's mm-hmm. when they're coming to persephone and they see the sunrise when they're flying in yes yeah, I, for some something about that shot is Beautiful the most shot. realistic like i'm in space and i live on a spaceship mm-hmm. special effect that yeah. i can think of I, I can't really describe it more than to say that the it's, first time i saw that i was like oh my god they are in space yeah there's something so real about it zoic did really good a job with all the effects and yeah. every time you just see a shot like an establishing shot of this ship in space or in atmosphere or anything it's breathtaking totally like you just have to stop and ogle because it's the most beautiful ship ever yeah yeah, man, that Persephone sunrise just like gives me chills every time. And there's something it. so casual about the scene. And mm-hmm. uh, there's something so casual about so much of the show uh, and so much of the characters' interactions, even though they're mm-hmm. in life or death situations, they're so just like casual about it. Yeah. And I just love it. Just taking it in stride. Yeah. And like all the detail, too. Like you were talking about the sets. Like when they're walking around looking at the shops and Kaylee's like drooling over the layer cake that she sees in the window. Yeah. Just like. There's so much going on in the background with totally. all the extras and their costumes and all the other shop windows. And like, it, it's just, you can rewatch it so many times and still see something new every time. Totally. And, and there's so much strength in the character development for, mm-hmm. for almost everybody. Not so much for Book in this episode. He but doesn't have as much. Yeah, he doesn't uh, have as much to do. Yeah. But like Kaylee wanting to go to the ball and mm-hmm. then seeing this dress yeah. that's totally ridiculous and right. loving it and just then falling in love with a dress yeah and then just like wearing it even though it's completely out of fashion mm-hmm. uh looking like a like a fairy tale princess right. at the ball like getting high on strawberries and <laughs> like talking such a strawberry talking mechanics with fetish. all the dudes it's yeah. wonderful I it's know. so good and love charming that. and funny yeah uh, and then, like, Wash and Zoe getting to see them behind the scenes a little bit. Right. Seeing the real dynamic between them that they uh-huh. don't show out in public as much. I love oh my God. just getting a little peek at that. And it's uh, just the character development is scrumptious. It's so good. Like, them in bed together is mm-hmm. just wonderful. You get this really great sense of of them as a couple. Right. And uh, and they have a like a strong relationship. That's just it's not for other people. It's for them. Right. It's like the two totally. of them is all they need. Yeah. And Wash is like complaining about being in space too long and wants to get out and right. walk around. And then all he wants to do is stay in and, and have sex like, with his oh, wife. And then he's like, oh, chance to have sex with Zoe to yeah. spend time with my wife when no one else is around. I'm gonna do that. That's all he wants. He just and and I love that he's the one that wants to snuggle afterwards. She's like, okay, that was great. Good night. Yeah. And he's like, no, wait, let's talk. Stay awake. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's snuggle. Yeah, yeah. She's totally the more powerful, yeah, 
of the two of them in their relationship like as the, far as that's great babe <laughs> like being just she's like a warrior woman and he's yeah. like a a goofy pilot you right. know it's such a great combination yeah. and then mallet and nara in this episode you uh, their chemistry has just like reached this new height mm-hmm. where you can really feel the longing between those two characters it's pretty evident in this yeah. one like if you guys didn't know before spoiler alert they got They're hats for each, each other, other. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want a piece there's no denying it in this episode it's in your face totally and it's a wonderfully written like complex relationship where mm-hmm. mal is just like desperately wants to be with this person you can see it in his eyes but yep. he also doesn't really respect her job you know and yeah. he flat out says, like, I'm, I may not, I may show disrespect for your job, but but not to you. Something along those right. lines. Right. When, when he's talking about how Atherton Wing, like, besmirched her honor. <laughs> right. And, like, he gets in this crazy duel because he's defending her as a person. Right. Like, and, and he always takes jabs at her for what she does. Right. But he loves her. Totally. So. Yeah. And I think that, I don't think that he could ever be with her and have her be a companion. I don't think that's in his wheelhouse as a human. And uh, I don't think that she could ever leave her job for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, you know, there's like this whole, I don't want to get into the comic books or anything, but you know, right. there, there's that feeling that that just isn't possible for her. Um, Neither so, one could change who they are and right. yet they're like undeniably drawn and totally. like they can't, you can't choose who you fall in love with. And like, they clearly have deep, complicated feelings for each other yeah even though it means you know but they just can't be together they, they like, just they just can't <laughs> you know at this stage in yeah. their relationship it just doesn't seem to be an option there's just yeah. too many emotional hurdles for each of them to clear right. to be able to open themselves up to the other mm-hmm. there's this like really finite wall between those two characters yeah. and it's like they're peeking around this wall and like oh my god it looks nice on that side of the wall but i don't but know how to no get way around to scale it. yeah yeah totally yeah. it's it's really well written i really love it just a, a lovely relationship to watch unfold. Uh-huh, totally. like, we only get 14 episodes and a movie and some comics, but it's just delightful every time you rewatch it to watch the evolution of like where they're going and mm-hmm. like what could be someday if we had more, but right. it's just so complex. Yeah. And I feel this like need for them to be together every time I watch it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that is either. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's like palpable. You're just like, just get together already. I can just, just kiss her. Kiss him. Just kiss each other, please. Just kiss. I can't handle it. (laughs) Yeah. It's really wonderful. And then Jane, uh, not you, Jane, but (laughs) Jane, Jane. uh, Jane Cobb in this episode has so many great little moments of character. He's just so distinct as a person. Jane Espenson just really shines with each character. Yeah. I love, love, love the scene where they're with Badger and they're talking about setting up this meeting Uh and it's basically a tea party in Badger's like crime den where (laughs) we see them from the pilot and there's like dudes with guns and like contraband everywhere. And then they've got this little table set up with delicate porcelain teacups <laughs> and little actual tea sandwiches with the crust cut off. Yeah. And you're like, what is this tea party doing in Patrick's <laughs> office? And Jane is just like horking down sandwiches as fast as he can. Yeah. And he loves the tea. Too. Drinking out of the little tiny porcelain teacup. It's just. Ugh. Yeah, it's love great. It so much. It's so good. I there's so many moments throughout the episode I love. I mean, you start out 
with another bar fight. This is the second time that they've gotten into a bar fight right. within the first five minutes of an episode. Just to really establish that, like, yeah. they can't go anywhere without getting into a fight. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I had forgotten that the pool table was, like, holographic. <gasps> That's so, a fun surprise to rewatch it and be like, oh, I know, yeah. it's so cool. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, they're playing pool in the future. I guess yep. that makes sense. Pool mm-hmm. would be in the future. Totally uh, not. Yeah, I mean, they got trouble with the capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Um, but but then you discover that it's it's like a hologram, mm-hmm. and there's this perfect moment where the hologram flickers, and everyone playing pool, including Mal, yeah. like looks at the bartender and is like, like, "Hey, hey what's the deal?" Like, yeah. and you can just tell that that's a problem in this galaxy. That pool tables are They're holographic glitchy. and yeah. breaking down all over the place, and like running a good establishment means that your pool table works. I just, I right? just love that detail. Like, you know they're in a seedy bar because the pool balls flicker in and out. Like totally. What the hell? I just imagine myself like at a at a pinball place and like a table not working. That's how I would react. I'm like, right. come on, yeah. Who's taking care of this? And this is the game that I have to play right now. Such a problem that they had to make a sign. Like, yeah, the totally. bartender just points at the sign, just <laughs> yeah. like. This happens all the time. Not, not responsible, responsible for ball failure for or ball something failure. like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. It's so good. And, and those are the tiny details. Like Jane Espison, if you listen to the commentary on this episode, she's like, I wrote it into the script and the prop guys got it wrong. And I had to go back and be like, it says ball failure. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Just important. The tiny details that she gets. It's totally. Delicious. And then Mal steals that money and... He tells Inara, and she immediately just puts it into her bra. I know, without, like, batting an eyelash. She grabs it, sticks yeah. it in her bra, just like... As she's chastising him for stealing. <laughs> but, the, like, there's an obvious, like, trust, and they're so comfortable with each other. And yeah. she's like, okay, you're a petty thief, but I'm going to be your accomplice right now. I'm going to stick it in my bra. Totally. It's uh, fantastic. Yeah. It says it without even words. That, like, you see the level of trust they have for each other. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, there's, and there's, God, there's, I mean, there's no way to make that happen except for the actors having real chemistry. Like, mm-hmm. and and I don't know. I mean, they they did such a good job at the casting. We keep talking about this, but yep. uh, the casting between individual characters uh, is wonderful. The cast, mm-hmm. like the chemistry between the whole group, is wonderful. Yeah, the chemistry between like little pieces of the group by themselves is wonderful. It's you, any, everything any clicks. Iteration of mm-hmm. these main characters together works mm-hmm. and is wonderful, mm-hmm. and it's like so incredibly cool. Right, and they're still like they're like family still to this day. The actors, it yeah. was such a powerful experience for them, and they got along so well that they're still like they go to conventions and they like meet each other afterwards and have dinner at each other's houses and call each other up and like oh i got a part and it's like they're still all really really good friends that reminds me did you hear how nathan fillion is gonna reprise the role of of mal reynolds in some other show yeah i follow him on instagram it's um american housewife yeah did you see the picture of him in in the outfit i did because he he posts all of it it's so (laughs) weird it's like what 15 20 years later now yeah it's like how long has it been uh, a while 2002 and it's 2018 now so 16 16 years 16 years <laughs> yeah 15 I and can't... a half i guess it was september so cool i can't do math so i'm glad we're gonna here. say 15.5 ish nice <laughs> <laughs> math yeah. um yeah and it's it's like something that any show that he's on for 
any period of time. <laughs> totally. They love to slip in references to right. to Firefly. Like Castle, Castle did it all the Castle time. Castle did it all the time. Um, like he he spoke Chinese in a couple of episodes. They had him like, say shiny a couple times. They had him say shiny. He got to dress up as Mal for Halloween a couple years in a row. <laughs> it, like there was always like references to going to like parties and stuff where it was sci-fi themed. Yeah. But yeah, I only they, saw like one episode of that show, but I did keep up with the news of what Nathan Fillion has been up to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I follow I don't know why I don't follow more of them, but I follow um Nathan Fillion and Jewel State on Instagram just cuz they always post fun things. Oh cool. And um she lives pretty close. She's up in Vancouver. Oh nice. So she comes down here all the time. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, we got to talk about the ball. Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's get back to this episode, which is like the reason for being right now. <laughs> like Shindig gives us life. Yeah. The the ball was is such a unexpected direction to take a science fiction show, like to, to go to a, this future, I know. like pompous ball. This is like a, a Jane Austen, like teen crumpets kind mm-hmm. of Regency romance novel <laughs> yeah. turned into a sci-fi show. It's amazing. Like the, it's the so mashup good. of genres is just delightful. And it's really interesting to come back to Persephone again because mm-hmm. I guess uh, the original pilot didn't air, so the, so we had the audience had, would not have seen Persephone at yeah. this point. So this would have been their first time seeing it, right? So there's references at the beginning of the episodes, like, "Oh, we're going we're, we're back. back, yeah, we're, we're going, going back, back to, to Persephone. Persephone." Feels like almost like home, you yeah, know? Yeah, um, and also also just seeing characters in a show in space return to a planet mm-hmm. so soon after having been there never seen that before it makes it feel like a real lived in universe like Like, like this is a hub that we have to go through often right like this is where the trade happens like you go to persephone to pick up a job like obviously (laughs) we got to go talk to badger and get some new job and he's gonna screw us some new way this time Uh, obviously yeah that's what he does but then to see that there's also this like upper crust nobility uh that culture Mm. that is completely ridiculous yeah and so into itself is awesome it's It's so real feeling it's great because normally you see the grubby side of of the verse because these guys are kind of poor they're always on the raggedy edge of of surviving and they're doing the dirty jobs that no one else wants to do so you normally just see like you know horses and cattle and gunfights and And dirt and dirt and like grubby bars with ball (laughs) failure And, (laughs) and now you get to see an actual ball and it's it's really nice to be able to see a different side of, of society there. Yeah. And all of the background characters in the ball are so well characterized. You have those mm-hmm. girls who are mocking Kaylee. I know. So that's like one of my like almost daily references when I'm trying to be snooty or something. I'm like, <laughs> oh, standards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. There's just, there's so many quotables from this episode and you like even talking about this episode gives you warm fuzzies. Uh-huh, like, totally. It's, it's such good writing that has stood the test of time. And like, it's the moment where you fall in love with a lot of these characters because before they were all dark and dealing with like, reavers and getting away from the law and whatever. And you're like, okay, I, I, I dig what's going on, but this is when you really see the charm. Right, totally. Yeah, I mean, my favorite thing about television is feeling like I know 
the people mm-hmm. in the shows that I love. Yeah. And then being excited to see them. If you have weak characters, I'm just like not even engaged. Totally. Yeah. Like, why I, would you be? Like, I, I can't get behind any of these characters. The show is dead to me. <laughs> yeah. And then to see how characters would react in more extreme situations, mm-hmm. uh, you have that opportunity when they're in space in the future. And it's to yeah. me, that's just like an infinite world of, of possibilities and excitement. Mm-hmm. And I'm just eager for it all the time. Definitely. And this show, I mean, is at the pinnacle of that for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I just like, I'm crazy about it. So right. good. <laughs> yeah. Even um, though, oh. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was gonna <laughs> say, even though most of the show is really, like this episode is really light and it's got like a fun, witty, kind of like a banter and they're dancing and pretty dresses and all that stuff. You still see a little bit of Mel's dark side mm-hmm. um, towards the end after the duel, which it's done in a joking way. Yeah. But he stabs a guy while he's down. Yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> he also cheats in that fight. He cheats. He Anara distracts, distracts Atherton, Atherton. Yeah. And he waits for Atherton to look away. And then he's like, I'm taking this moment. Great. I'm uh-huh. going to punch you in the face. I'm going to throw the blade. I'm going to stab you while you're down. Yep. Like, he's not necessarily a good man. Right. But you love him for it. But he will... Get the job done. He gets the job and done. Which stay is, alive. Yeah, which is how he gets his exciting new cargo, which we Cattle. see yeah. <laughs> in the like, last two seconds of the episode. It's great. Yeah, there's this perfect shot when Mal is down and Atherton has him like at sword's length. Mm-hmm. It's from Mal's perspective looking up at Atherton when yeah. Atherton looks over to Nara. Yeah. And then it cuts back to Mal and you see in his eyes that he's like, that's the opportunity. You see the moment like, yeah. click and he's uh-huh. all like, all right, well, this is how I'm going to win the the sword out of the way and, like, takes him down. Yeah. And I love that the high society people that are watching are totally okay with this because Atherton looked away. So even though Mal, like, kind of cheated, it's still technically okay within that. It counts because it's a duel. Like, they were expecting someone to die. And it's like, well, you know, someone got poked a little. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's actually really a really interesting choice to have this uh, culture in the future that has a sort of outdated dueling system mm-hmm. like outdated by our standards yeah uh set up in their society this the society seemed like really well um fleshed out even though you only really see it in this episode yeah um and in a really interesting way that's it's very anachronistic that i really like it's really great writing because she does this world building that you you know that there's so much more there and that if there were more episodes, you might get to see a little bit more. Maybe we'd see Atherton again. Maybe there'd mm-hmm. be some sort of vengeance episode or something. Yeah. Um, but just skimming the surface, you see so much in this one. And, and totally. So <clears throat> I saw Hamilton last night because it's in Seattle. Oh, cool. And I'm not giving spoilers or anything, but a large part of that show revolves around the nature of duels. Of course. And so having watched that and then watching Shindig today, I'm just like, wow, it's so like crazy how these these customs come back uh-huh. around in uh-huh. history uh-huh. and like history repeats itself. Yeah. I mean, Alexander Hamilton and it's Aaron Burr, right? Yeah. Yeah. Th- that is the most famous duel that right? I can think of. Like in American history. Totally. For sure. Or like ever even. I don't even know of any other f- yeah. famous ones. Besides and then, like, like what time Cowboys. period is that? What would you call that? Like. I don't know what the like. Birth of Re- the region America, would, or, or era of like an epoch. I don't know what the what the time frame would be, but it yeah. was like early eighteen, late seventeen hundreds, early eighteen right, hundreds. Right. Yeah, like, I don't know what to call that, but 
birth of the nation era? Sure. So, like, right after the Revolutionary War. Um, let's uh, call George it, Washington let's call it had Baby been, America. Baby America. Baby Merca. <laughs> Baby Merca. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, so, it's interesting that this society is, like, hearkening back right. to that. Yeah, so that's, like, 250-ish years in the or 300 god i can't do math um we'll say 300 in the past uh-huh. and then f- this show is supposed to take place 500 years in the future so yeah. like there's an 800 year difference yeah and society just keeps making the same old like customs and yeah i mean mistakes it, it and- makes sense because when you spread out like this and resources are limited. Like mm-hmm. when humanity is spread out and resources are limited, yeah. people have to get a little bit more violent to keep what's theirs. Right. A little seems. more tribal. Yeah, a little more tribal. And yeah. it seems like that tribal element has snuck its way back into high society also, where mm-hmm. if uh, like you have to keep your dignity and your respect and right. you can kill to keep it. Right. Which is really interesting. It's almost like uh, like wild west kind of situation where like everybody has guns like they show that this is a a new fancy situation where they're having a ball with gun scanners Uh like they go out of their way to say everyone walks around with a gun here right but this is going to be a safe place because they won't let you in with a piece so you have to leave it with the concierge at the front totally it's it's just a statement on the society again without having any sort of exposition or phlebotinum or someone like, talking about it. <laughs> right. They just show it real quick. Totally. And then seeing that in juxtaposition to the bar fight in the beginning where, mm-hmm. you know, that is the old West. Right. Like it really helps kind of set the boundaries of what this society is like mm-hmm. on, on all ends or yeah. on two ends at least. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's very cool. You know what else I love about this episode is the scene where Inara is trying to train Mal to sword fight. I love that. It just oh, there's so much to love about this episode, but yeah, uh-huh. that one is amazing as well. I love the dialogue. I love the costumes. The set is amazing. Mm-hmm. You can see just the spark between these two characters. Totally. She's going out of her way and like sneaking around and like bribing the door clerk or whatever to get a key to get into his room and like trying to save his life. While she's with this other guy who's giving her money for her livelihood. Like, this right. is what she does for a living. And yet she's breaking all of the codes that would normally go with that to help someone else out. Like, right. Yeah, the the sense of family between the two of them becomes more apparent. And then mm-hmm. he asks her not to go with Atherton, who's asked her to, like, stay as his that personal moment. companion. Oh, yeah. God. Every he, time. Every time. Like, oh. He's just like a little boy who can't mm-hmm. say how he feels and yeah. is trying as hard as he can and almost gets there. Yeah. Just saying like, but when he says, I don't want you to, to take this job, he's also saying how much he cares about her because even just opening up that much is as, like a lot for him. Right. That's like a vulnerable moment for him to be yeah. like, I, I got no call to stop you, but please don't. <laughs> yeah. I also love the way he phrases that something along the lines of uh, don't go with him because if if you do, I imagine he's the one who killed me, and I don't right. like men who killed me much. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. The the uh, phrasing and like Joss vernacular speak. Jane Espenson does it so well after having yeah. worked on Buffy and Angel. Yeah. Um. She just it sounds exactly as if he was talking. Yeah. Lovely. I wonder. I wonder how much of that. I think that some of that might even come from her. Mm-hmm. Some of that witty banter that you come to associate with 
Joss shows. Yeah, and some of it's directly like from her brain, and then we yeah. just lump it all into like you associate it with. I do associate him. it as like a Joss Whedon thing. Yeah, but I think that like her being a big part of it might be. She's a good writer. More yeah. maybe more credit is due to her than yeah. a lot of people give mm-hmm. for for her incredible contributions. Well. Uh, I think she also wrote an episode of Game of Thrones when I was looking up the, Really? And I couldn't get it to load. I was like, wait a minute, I have to find out which episode it was. Oh my god. Well, I can, I've can. i got internet. Okay, you, you do it. It's yeah. on uh, Memory Alpha. Okay. Memory uh, Alpha. Yeah. Or you could just Google Jane Espenson. She's also written for um Torchwood uh for the Doctor Who fans out there the Whovians Yeah, I just like I got nothing. Oh my god, this website is frozen. There we go. Come on. We're just going to wax poetic about Jane Espenson for a while. We don't need the internet. It's fine. Jane. There's too many Janes in this episode. <laughs> I don't. Well, this one doesn't have a Y, so True. it sets her slightly apart. <laughs> you can just Jane Espenson, GOT. All right, here we go. Oh, she sold two stories to Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. One is Force of Nature. It doesn't say what the other one is. All right, she wrote Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Season 4, Episode Ascension. No, right. Accession. Oh. I thought it said Ascension also. Uh, Accession. Okay. I read it wrong. What is this about? A 300-year-old Bajoran ship comes through the wormhole, and its passenger claims that he is the Emissary of the Prophets. Oh, yeah. This is like the competing Emissary episode. Um, she wrote for Battlestar Galactica in its third and fourth seasons, writing several episodes. Um, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Pegasus, Caprica, more Battlestar stuff. She wrote for Dollhouse. She wrote the sixth episode of season one of Game of Thrones. So let's oh, cool. find out what that was. Early stuff. Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Very prolific. Yes. An awesome writer. She's lovely. So yeah, what else, man? Is the, oh, we, what about that? We, we should talk about that moment where uh, uh, River comes in and, <gasps> oh, and starts speaking Badger. I know. <laughs> so I... I don't, you don't see her do this very often, but apparently she's really good with accents. With mimicry. And, yeah. and mimicry, like, the very first time that we see her act is that Angel episode that we've mentioned before, where she's doing a Russian accent. She's mm. a Russian ballerina. And I thought, oh, that was okay. You know, that was fine. But, like, this one that she picks up just, like, on the fly and can totally mimic Mark Shepard's uh, Badger accent, which yeah. is, like, she tells you something about her as an actress but also the character where she can just read people Mm -hmm. and just like instantaneously pick it up you'll see this throughout the show where she just like looks at something half a second later she's got it down yeah it's it's almost as if she can see into their mind and know who they are almost Mm, (laughs) Uh, she's just very observant that's all yeah do you think that do you do you believe based off of that performance that Badger as a native of uh, Titan Colony Titan Colony <laughs> would believe that thank you for jumping in I had no idea where I was going uh, as a native of Titan Colony 
would believe that River was from there also? I think so. You think so? I did. The look on his face at first, he's like not it's definitely sure. acted that way. He's yeah, he's shocked. But just based off of her accent alone, like if that was real and yeah. she did that accent, I wouldn't believe she was from there right. if I were him. Well, I don't think he's the smartest knife yeah. in the drawer. Um, <laughs> True. But she does it with enough charm that it's yeah. almost like a like a seduction. Like she's a she's a bard or something in D and D, and she just like walks up to the guard and like rolls a twenty and is just <laughs> like, "All right, your charms now. Let us through. Thanks." Yeah, totally. <laughs> like you can yeah, tell that he's she just, does use use her charm. Yeah, she. It's a totally a charm roll. <laughs> uses her feminine wiles to yeah. uh, to bewix him. Yeah, so. it, it's a really cool character moment. The fact that like she's able to sum him up and and know exactly what to say to get under his skin and mm. how to say it in order to come off as like not just not a threat but mm. also intriguing. Right, like not something like oh my god, lock her up, like or right. shoot this girl, but like he suddenly uh, he's like, kind, maybe I could... kind of smitten. Yeah, maybe? totally. He's like maybe like, she'd want to hang out with me later. Yeah, I like her. So that was perfectly yeah. executed. So totally. Which also reminds me how much I love the whole like B, like plan B of the crew of trying to take over the ship again that never needs to come to fruition. <laughs> yeah, the just like wacky hijinks yeah. and like just side stories that never come to pass. Um, there's so much going on in the episode, and it all fits together perfectly. Totally, I love the card game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Plums are tall, or whatever yeah, he says. T- tall card. Yeah, I think. There's so many Firefly games out now. I uh-huh. don't have all of them because I started running out of shelf space. <laughs> um, I think there's a tall card game out now. There has to be. That, that it's too good play. not to do. Yeah. But, um, but they had metal cards in the episode, which is right. just amazing. It's who, pretty, who pretty badass. Yeah. I would not want to buy a version of that game in real life unless it had metal cards. Right, like that is the only way it should be offered. Like Absolutely. you shouldn't have like, cardboard or like cardstock. No. They, they, no. No, you it's offensive. To, it yeah. has to be metal. Like the little copper looking yeah. kind of bronzy things. If that exists, I want it. Yeah. I'm I sure. want to play it. That's what the I want to win. For. Yeah, that's what Kickstarter's <laughs> for. If it hasn't been made already, get on it, guys. Yeah. And the, the dialogue around that card game, the, is particularly the first time that they play it in the episode, mm. uh, where it's, you know, Jane and... Uh, and Shepherd Book uh-huh. and uh, and Simon's the and dealer. Simon, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then Rivers like in the background going crazy a little bit. Mm-hmm. The, the dialogue of of playing that game is so much like a poker game while having completely different words. Yeah, it just feels right. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah, um, I I love the dynamic. I, I've touched on this before of like Book and um, Jane have this kind of bromance going on, even though mm-hmm, they're at complete mm-hmm. opposite ends of the moral spectrum. Yeah. They just instantaneously clicked and they like they play poker together and they eat together and they work out together. <laughs> and you just see them just enjoying each other's company on not like an intellectual level where they just I don't know. It's a very physical relationship. It's a very physical relationship for having yeah. like not even that kind of touching or anything. They're just both. They do physical things together. They do physical things, right? Yeah, not in not each other's to company. each other, but right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. We're not shipping necessarily that relationship, but it's, we could. I we see could. nothing wrong with it. I, I, I would get behind it yeah. if that ever came to pass. But yeah. um, 
Wink, wink. He's a shepherd. He's got oaths. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking vows. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, man, is there anything you don't like about this episode? Oh, man. Uh, that would be really hard to come up with something I don't like. Even... I've stumped you. Even the people who are supposed to be detestable, like the, the girls. Yeah, um, and Atherton, too. And Atherton Wing... You're supposed to just hate these people, but it's fun. It's fun hating. It's, it's fun, fun hate. Them. I it's I I hate Atherton so much in a way that brings me so much joy. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like despicable. Yeah. And then seeing Mal get the best of him at the mm-hmm. end is just so satisfying. So satisfying. Yeah. So satisfying. I can't think there's not enough of this episode. That's, yeah, that's, that's kind the of only a trick question because I, uh, I can't think of anything I, either. There's one episode in Firefly written by Jane Espenson, and I need more. Yeah, totally. That's my only problem. It's a very <laughs> high watermark mm-hmm. for me in the show. I really don't have any complaints. I mean, the the final scene where Inara and Mal are sitting over the cows, and you don't yep. know the cows are there. Oh, right. That's my one complaint, is that the cows don't make any noise when they're mm-hmm. talking because they it, they can't. To have that reveal be they, good. Yeah, they needed... But it makes no sense. Right. Because as soon as they cut to the cows, they're like, moo. You yeah. know? <laughs> they're like mooing like, so loud. You're in an open yeah. room with cows. And they would be like shuffling around. Uh-huh. They would be mooing. There would just be so much chaos. Yeah. Um, and the smell, it would be terrible. But, but it's a great last shot and I see why they did it. But yeah. for, for my logical brain, it, it's kind of... It's kind of a, I don't think that makes sense. Like, I would have heard those cows during this very quiet discussion they had just had. Right. And it's really funny because, like, they have to sneak into this fancy ball to talk to this lord who's too good to talk to Badger. And they keep making, like, all this fuss and hype about how fancy it is. Only to find out that it's cows is his. I love it. His uh, contraband. I love it. It's just, it's cattle. It's the perfect... (laughs) Like button to the episode. Yeah, is that the right word for the end of an episode? I the think button. So. Yeah. I think so. They button it up. It's a very, it's an adorable button. It is. A cow this button. whole episode is just an adorable button. <laughs> um, you you pointed out several things to me that I didn't know as we were watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's one I didn't point out because I can never see it in time. What is it? Um, when they land at the docks at uh-huh. uh, Persephone again, there's supposed to be a moment where there's another Star Wars ship that's from comics i think like oh. dark empire or oh. something where there's like a i'll see if i can find it but what what were you gonna say well you pointed out that anara's dress at the ball was a reworked version of the costume designer's yes. own wedding dress Shana Terpsik, which she, is really interesting yeah and so okay so about that while i'm looking for this other thing um if you look carefully at the like corset piece um of her dress it looks a little weird. It's got like these things that flare out at her hips. Mm-hmm. It's because um, she sent the the bodice piece out to be done by seamstresses because um, they usually like work on different parts and things while they're doing all of these costumes for all the extras and things like that. And they had sewed something upside down. So it was actually mm-hmm. supposed to be flipped. And those things that like jut out from her hips were supposed to be the like pieces that go up under her arms oh. like, like little like boob points <laughs> you know i'm trying to show you but you guys can't see what i'm doing right now. so if you if you, if you just, watch the episode you're I like i just had quite the show <laughs> what happened here yeah. um so yeah the the um corset pieces on upside down 
Hmm. And so uh, Shauna Terpstra, the costume designer, she's like, okay, well, we're just going to work with this. We're going to make it look awesome and exotic and future-y and just like make it flare out a little bit. And yeah. It's clearly upside down now, but I can't fix it anymore. So it like... It opens up a little bit on Inara's back. Like there's like a plunging V because uh, it wouldn't fit because <laughs> it was upside down. That was supposed to be the part that goes around her waist, oh, which is crazy. the smallest now part of the corset. Now I want to watch that again. <laughs> we could, yeah, we could go back after this and I can point it out again. Um, you also pointed out the, the chandelier has elvish writing in it. Yes. Um, if you guys go back, there's like a fraction of a second where you can see it. Um, but when Kaylee and Mal walk into this ballroom... And they look up and you can see the floating chandelier that's referenced several times. It's made up of several golden rings that are like um, moving in and out of each other, kind of. And one of the top rings, it's subtle and you only see it for a second. So you got to be looking for it. Um, But it's a golden ring with elvish writing on it. Right. It's like a chandelier made out of the one ring. Yeah. I had no idea, but you mentioned that and I totally saw it. And I was very excited. Yeah. Very exciting. There's so much. There was something else that you pointed out that I don't remember. Uh, Some other like behind the scenes thing that was super cool. Maybe I'm wrong. Things and words and stuff. Things and words and stuff. <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> the um the fruit that was on the um the buffet table that uh-huh. Kaylee like that giant mound of strawberries. I know she's got such a strawberry thing. Yeah. Um. But, like, the very first thing that she says when she sees it, she goes, ooh, mangoes. And that's because uh, in the script it was, ooh, pineapples. Uh Um, But the prop department, like, went to the store to go find some pineapples, and they couldn't find any that looked good. (laughs) So they just brought back mangoes instead, and (laughs) they had to change the line to say, oh, mangoes. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Um, Which is really fun stuff like that. Man, there's so much good, like, moments. How do you how do you whittle it down to things that you can fit into a podcast? Of Let's just go scene by scene and talk about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes I, like, do commentaries and just watch and talk. Yeah. Which is nice sometimes. This would be a good episode for it because yeah. just one-liners that are amazing. Totally. Costumes that you could talk about for days. Um, uh, character development and just even the people that you don't even see for very long have like like Rivers thing that we talked about earlier right. she's only in this episode for two quick little scenes like little snippets and you get to see so much of what's going on in her mind mm-hmm. in these like 60 second scenes <laughs> That really let you know that like something crazy is going on with this girl. Her brain's a little scrambled and yet she's so intuitive and observant and like can get under people's skin immediately that you have to wonder, is it supernatural or is she just a genius? Is it both? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. And they once again slipped in a a line of exposition from Jane about how like uh, when she was acting all crazy, he's like, this isn't a good habit for a fugitive. Right. In case you've forgotten that she's a fugitive, he points it out. Yeah. And, and little stuff like that them. where everybody is always thinking about what they would be thinking about if they were real people. Right. You know, like yeah. the, the stuff that would be important to them that would be on their minds is and they talk about it. And it's, it just adds this level of uh, just realism to all yeah. of it. And I love it. Verisimilitude. 
So how many, how many, well, is there anything else? I think, I feel like we covered it pretty well. Besides, we, to cover this better, we'd have to do a commentary and watch it, I think. I think so. Like, that's the only way to really, like, get into the nitty details. Yeah. Um, Just to show our true appreciation for, like, every moment of this episode. Yeah. One of my absolute favorites. Me too. How many Veras would you give this? I'm grading on a curve. Yes. The Firefly Curve. The Firefly Curve. And we're do- we can do partial, right? I think sure. I've done like half a Vera before. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally fine with a okay. half a Vera. I'm going to give this one 9.5. 9.5. Because yeah. it's one of my all-time favorites. It's... I like I couldn't even think of anything I didn't like about it earlier other than it's not enough. Right. More please. Totally. More of this one. Just also because we are on a curve, mm-hmm. I'm also going to give it a 9.5. Yeah. Because I'm leaving room for out of gas. I, I know like <laughs> we we both are just like it's coming. It's yeah. like, but like it it's this is one of the best episodes ever. I've yeah. watched it so many times. Yeah. Or maybe I'll give it a 9 because Thinking of other episodes that are coming up. Oh, that's tough. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Yeah. I'm gonna give I, it a 9.5. I concur. This, yeah. is, this is easily a 9.5. And finally, that took like five minutes of a <laughs> terrible signal, but to circle back to what I was saying earlier. So uh, when the crew is wandering around the streets of Persephone, um, there's a ship with an oval front section, and it's got two square sections that land after it. Uh-huh. It's like different pieces. It's supposed to be the Starlight Intruder from the Star Wars graphic novel uh, series, Dark Empire. Whoa, I read that forever ago. Yeah, you, you may not even be able to pick it out. And like, yeah. apparently it happens so fast because like, I never see it. Very cool. It's like one of the Easter eggs. That yeah. I've still never seen. <laughs> that comic book series, if I'm remembering correctly, is the one that George Lucas said, like, if I were to have continued... Mm-hmm. Star Wars, Luke and Leia and Han's story, like this is sort of the direction I would have wanted to go in oh. where Luke kind of goes bad and like, uh, well, the, kind, not really. But, it's like the George Lucas canon that never was. Yeah, like the legacy Star Wars canon yeah. that I read a lot of. Ah, um, nice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You said Dark Empire, right? Dark Empire is what it says. Yeah, it's I'm pretty sure that's what that was. The Starlight Intruder. There's like clones of was. Emperor Palpatine. It was pretty good. Interesting. It's pretty good. Huh. Um, did you read much expanded universe Star Wars stuff? I read a few of the novels, like I, the Thrawn stuff, okay. the first ones. And I just um, read this comic book like series Night about Mara Witches. Jade, written yeah. by Timothy Zahn. Night Sisters, I think. That, oh, Timothy Zahn, yeah. Yeah, because Mara Jade was like yeah. the, the Emperor's Hand who right. Luke and the has a relationship the Emperor. With. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's this comic book series about how, like, what happened to her around the time of the Emperor's death, and it was mm-hmm. really fucking awesome. Oh, it was so cool. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad that all that stuff is erased now, but it's like alternate timeline, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know, I Star Wars is tough. Like, this is a whole other conversation, but the prequels kind of destroyed the continuity for me mm-hmm. uh, as a fan because I was a big fan of the yeah like expanded universe, and I stopped reading that stuff when the prequels came out because it it kind of broke it for me it, a little like, bit. Doesn't mesh very well, does totally. it? Totally, yeah. Just, like it completely rewrites the science of the force. And, like, yeah, but what? it's interesting now that the we're getting new movies in that world mm-hmm. that kind of acknowledge the prequels a little bit. Uh, you know, particularly the the main saga movies have made mm-hmm. mention of things that happened in the prequels. Yeah. So it kind of tied the original trilogy to the prequels a little bit better, um, and also ties these movies in with the prequels just. Excuse me. Also ties the new movies 
in with the prequels a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've discovered that I dislike that continuity as compared to the legacy continuity, uh, mm-hmm. where the, the original legacy stories of like what happens to Han, Luke and Leia yeah. feels, feels better to me than what we actually got because right. the new movies are all about I, passing the torch to these new characters. So you don't really get that continuation of Han, Luke and Leia. Yeah. Um, I didn't read all of them, but um, yeah. Ryan did. And I know a lot of the like stuff, like I know what happens to Chewie. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I know what happens uh, with Mara Jade down the line and like yeah, the I kids. I didn't like get Jaina and Jaina and Jason. Jason. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I should preface all this by saying that I did stop when the, the prequels came out. Okay. So oh, like so, by the time yeah. that I, mean, I know what, I know what happens to Chewie, but I'd stopped okay. reading before it got epic. to that point. Like, yeah. That's such a badass thing to happen. Yeah. I had a box of probably like 20 to 30 expanded universe novels mm-hmm. and that's, that's like lot. as far as I got, but that's yeah. a lot, but, yeah. but I did like stop. So right. I do know that there are a lot of fans out there that really take issue with where that continuity went and it kind mm-hmm. of became a jumbled mess eventually. Yeah. But I, but I stopped because I felt like adding in the prequels I, was causing them to have to retcon so much that mm. it just made the whole thing kind of unravel. Yeah. So I didn't really read a it's lot of that. Coherent. Yeah. But I feel that way also about, the new timeline it's like the prequels kind of fucked this up and now like the last jedi took active steps to try to correct the timeline to make mm-hmm. it more interesting yeah uh but that caused a back it's backlash it's just all so yeah crazy and convoluted and confusing i don't even know none of it fits together anymore. Uh, this it's, is the crazy conversation okay. yeah <laughs> anyway firefly. firefly what's next on our firefly agenda uh well we definitely have disc two of the blu-ray to move over to um, oh yeah yeah you've been so, bringing over your playstation every time so we can watch no. these on blu-ray instead of watching them on hulu it's it's streamable firefly is like very accessible now because it's such a cult favorite that like you yeah. can find it just about everywhere but i i disagree with everything that hulu stands for <laughs> that you have to pay for it and they show extra commercials and it's a terrible quality like streaming and it's just like it ruins the experience Hmm. the only silver lining about watching firefly on hulu which if if you want to i'm not going to stop you but it does have (laughs) we're going to go to their house and stop them i know i will knock on your door and i will bring my playstation over to your house (laughs) listeners and we will watch it the right way. <laughs> you will watch Firefly and I will watch you to make sure you are watching Firefly correctly. <laughs> yeah. um, but one of the nice things about um, streaming it is that they show the little snippets at the beginning. Like right. the, the earth it was. And right. like Which I've never seen. Earth got used up. And like, yeah, it's the little um, blurbs that Fox forced them to make because people were like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't get this show unless because you explain they didn't it to me show first. The pilot. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I have to check that out at some point. That reminds me that since we've started recording these episodes, I have finished, I think, all of the Firefly comics. Oh, well, um, you've read more than me because I still have some stuff that I'm like saving for a time when I'm just like at my lowest and I need some new Firefly. <laughs> yeah. Like that'll be oh, my nugget of like good. time capsule. Open um, up the comics. <laughs> yeah, leaves on the wind. Mm-hmm. was the continuation of the story. There's two collections that are continuation after the movie Serenity. Mm-hmm. And Leaves on the Wind was awesome. Yeah. It's like, this is what I want to have happen in the continuity. The one after that was good, but not 
Yeah. As I wasn't as into it. Oh. And then I that's as far as I got. Stuff, I can't remember if there's another after that or not. But Joss Whedon announced recently that they're going to make like expanded universe novels that he's going to oversee for the Firefly Soon, continuity. I think which is pretty fucking dope. October or November is when the first one comes out. There's going to be like three of them. Ooh. Um, and they're going to be spaced out like six months apart. And that's obviously going to happen. Um, <laughs> but speaking of novels, uh, I have the novelization of the movie of serenity oh cool and it was written like verbatim from the script whoa but there's deleted scenes and stuff that were taken out of the movie yeah that were left in the book like they didn't cool. even show on the um, oh like not even on the like DVD not extras? even on the dvd extras oh wow. oh my god can i borrow that yes <laughs> yes you, you can <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i actually really feel like if they'd left in all the deleted scenes that were on the dvd it would have mm. been a far superior movie mm-hmm like a lot of the character some. stuff you get to see some of it a lot of the character stuff that i was really craving mm-hmm. when i watched that movie was in the deleted scenes yeah and like all most of the references to anara being a companion and explaining what that is are right. in the deleted scenes right and it was very frustrating to me that that stuff was cut out anything that was like that felt like the show that had like long shots establishing mm-hmm. like people's reactions or just like the vibe of a room or just right. like a panning scene of like the the planet that she's on like all that stuff they didn't have time for in the movie and so it had to go for timing reasons but that's where the heart and soul of this story comes from is the characters and the character development and it's like it felt like it was missing a lot of that because yeah that's my big problem with the movie Mm -hmm. like that's there's things about the movie that i love and there's Mm -hmm. things that i really don't like but i think that if i have like if i had to boil it down to one problem it would be that it, it doesn't have the depth of character mm-hmm. that the show has. It, it just couldn't. Couldn't, yeah, like, I guess. But, you know, Joss Whedon can pull it off because the Avengers is, like, full of it. The Avengers has so much character, the first one. Yeah. I like Age of Ultron, too, but the first Avengers movie, to me, is like a like a massive achievement in pop culture. The fact that yeah. he was able to service that many characters mm-hmm. so well and make you care so much about that many people and then have, like riotous moments of humor and adventure and action it's such a great movie everything all together yeah. yeah i i love avengers too have you have you done avengers like a podcast for that? i haven't you know i actually uh was thinking about this recently it would be fun at, at some point i should go through all the marvel movies oh man that would be fun yeah that would also be a project totally there's one or two by now yeah there's a few <laughs> um i haven't even seen black panther or thor ragnarok yet <gasps> oh my god I know I'm dying to see can them I, both. Can I pop your Ragnarok cherry? Oh, please. Oh, it's Do you amazing. Have it? Is um, it out yet? I I bought it on Amazon, but I'm also going to have to buy it on Okay, so I have a bone to pick with Amazon. <laughs> uh I bought the bonus content uh stuff which has a lot of like making of and deleted scenes and stuff at the end. But I spent like 20 minutes on the internet trying to find a description of whether or not there was commentary from the director on this episode mm-hmm. or on this special features thing, which you can stream. <laughs> like that was the sole purpose of why I bought the one with the bonus features instead of going out and getting the Blu-ray, which I have to do now because... Oh, is there commentary on the Blu-ray? There's commentary on the the Blu-ray, but not the one that I paid extra for with the special features on Amazon Prime. I'm so mad. That's messed up. Yeah, so when I get the actual Blu-ray, I'll I'll bring that over. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I've seen this movie like six times now. It's, It's like Shindig. 
<laughs> but in a Marvel movie, it's so good. Oh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Have you seen Black Panther yet? I have. What do you think of that? I really liked it. Um, if I had to pick one of the two movies that we just referenced, obviously yeah. I'm just going to squee repeatedly over Ragnarok. Really? Uh, Black Panther was awesome. It was really good. Uh, I I would, I don't know. It's just, it's a different vibe. Yeah. Like it's I'm obviously got a lot more like that. serious stuff going on and commentary and like it, finally getting this movie that they should have done a long, long time ago. Um, but it's, it's a little bit more serious. So Thor is more fun. Thor is absolutely like a comedy. Don't for a yeah. moment think that the end of the world is serious because it's not. <laughs> yeah. I've always actually really liked the Thor movies. The first one's okay, but I really yeah. liked the Dark World and I thought it I got really a bad rap. I love the Dark World. Yeah, like, it's it was really great. So good. And Christopher Eccleston was kind of like wasted as um, this dark elf that like he only gets what, like a few lines, I guess. Yeah. But um, I still. Really love the movie. Um, yeah, Christopher Eccles, or sorry, uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston are just like such a great couple. They like, such a such great comedic I, like timing odd, together. odd couple that yeah. they're just perfect together and yeah. just ugh, excellent chemistry between those two guys. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that you'll see in Ragnarok that they they just they work so well off of each other. Oh, I can't wait! I'm I so know. excited. I love that movie so hard. <laughs> oh my god, let's watch it! I can't okay. wait. Yeah. What What's next in Firefly? What's episode five? I can't remember. Man, if I we're counting it's... the pilot as one. Oh, it's been a really long day. I think it's uh, Ariel, or it might be safe. Oh my god, I'm showing terrible uh, brown coat uh, street cred right now. I gotta look it up. <laughs> yeah, me too. I don't remember. <sighs> My phone has been so slow recently. It is. Wait, what? What? These are all out of order. Oh my god! Uh, IMDb is showing it in error order. Oh, that's terrible. Uh no! This is the wrong order. Um, man. Well, it's either uh, Ariel or Safe or Our Mrs. Reynolds, because those are the ones on the next disc. <laughs> uh, I think Our Mrs. Reynolds is next, isn't it? It might be. That that sounds right that to me. That one comes up pretty quick. Um, we're just going to cut this part out. Yeah, here we go. Let's see. Nope, this is the wrong order also. Yeah, I was looking at it. And Season I was one, like, episode Wait. 11 is Serenity Part 1. I don't yeah. think so. Uh, that is incorrect. You are wrong. List of Firefly episodes on the Firefly wiki. Let's try this. Oh, you know what? I need the internet or technology i have this blu-ray right here <laughs> and it has the, the oh my god i just got there it's safe you're uh, right all right okay so real quick we got serenity the train job bushwhacked and shindig those are the ones that we've done so far coming up we got safe our mrs reynolds janestown out of gas Ooh. ariel war stories and trash 
And the message. And then flipping over, we got the message, heart of golden objects. And objects in space. space. So Oof. we've got a ways to go. Yeah. Um, I can't wait for our Mrs. Reynolds. I love that episode. Safe, safe is good. But I, yeah, I remember. Our Mrs. Reynolds is also amazing. It's so great. Yeah. I love. There's several episodes of the show that have so much energy and momentum in the mm-hmm. plot itself. I think Shindig is is the first. Mm-hmm. I think our Mrs. Reynolds definitely has that. Ariel for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the one with the the brothel? Oh, our heart of gold. Heart of gold. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. Where like the the actual plot is just so engrossing and has such a sense of momentum right and like things happen that actually have a lasting impact right like that's one of the great things about the show it's not just episodic and oh what's gonna happen this week and then it doesn't matter you can watch them out of order right but like it's like where did these cows come from well you should have watched last week's episode you would have found out right exactly (laughs) yeah because like the next episode safe starts with them Mm -hmm. having to sell these cows yeah, on another I planet known with the cows yeah, yeah. Uh, i couldn't remember which episode that was in yeah with the kitten the next one anyway mm-hmm. anyway well man this is awesome we did it shindig shindig high five it's happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you next time douglas gale is coming back we're talking about season four of babylon five it was a wonderful conversation that I'm really pumped to listen to again and to share with all of you. And then after that, I have a couple of more episodes that I know I want to record. And if there's anything you want to hear from this show, if you want me to continue with the Firefly, you know, it's really going to be kind of up in the air. It's going to be sporadic when episodes come out, but there will be more. There will be more for sure. And I appreciate you sticking with me and listening to this. It really means a lot. It really does. And no matter what happens, I love this show, and I'm very proud of every episode that has come out, and I'm so glad that I decided to do this and to to make, you know, over 100 episodes over a three-year period of this show. It's just been been a monumental creation uh, event for me in my life, and I would never trade that for anything. So until next time, stay nerdy out there.